Yep. What up? What it do? What it is? It's your man's and them's DJ Doris E. And Maya Dorsey. And this is another edition of the Dorsey Dan Podcast. Come on by. Stop by the window. You're not coming in. Peep from the screen. And wave. And uh, keep your distance because uh, I don't want your spit crumlets on me. Speaking of, I was so annoyed talking about speak from the window with spit crumlets. Mm-hmm. The kids are outside today and they go to their neighbor's house. The neighbor right behind us has two daughters and they're literally up against the window. Her kids are up against the window. I said, what are we doing? So if we're going to be that close, y'all might as well be outside and just be touching each other and hug each other. I mean, why are we this close? Mm. Back up. And usually Noah will be the one that be like, nah, bruh. Listen, I mean, they were so close up on the daggone window. I was like, are y'all kidding me right now? So I'm in the kitchen. I'm looking out and I'm like, are y'all kidding me? For Kid, real? Kids just seem to forget things so easy. And I said, this is why y'all don't have school. This is why they don't have daycare. This is why they don't have summer camp. All this stuff is still being heavily debated here in Ohio because kids don't follow the rules. That's Yeah, kids don't know how to wash their hands either. Don't follow the rules. I be getting on Noah all the time. I'm like, dude, you know, when he washes his hands. It's a drive-by. Quote, unquote, wash his hands. It's a rinse-off. He put the soap on his hands, and before he rubs his hands, he'll rub his hands together to put it on both hands. Then as he he puts his hands under the water and washing the soap off. I'm like, dude, no. You put the soap on your hand, then you let it lather. Let it build up. Like we trying to teach him with his body. Yeah. And I've always been like that. I'm a lather type of guy. Like, I don't, even when I'm in the shower, me and you are different in that part. When I get in the shower, I lather my whole body before I rinse. You're rinsing your body as you're watching. I wash body parts and I rinse. Oh, no. A whole whole lot of TMI here. For real. But yeah. But I wash, you know, wash my arms, wash my underarms, then I may turn around. But you don't let it lather. You're you're like washing while the soap while the yeah, water is running on I'm top not, of it. No, you want to look like a whole snowman and then rinse. I don't do that. Yeah, no, I got I, I don't feel clean if I don't do that. Yeah, no, that's too much. First of all, I'm trying to turn around. I then don't let me try to shave my legs and shave my no, I'm not about to do all of that. I Wash is effective. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very effective. No, I'm not saying it's not effective, but, but uh, I wash my arms and then I rinse and then I and then I may go back over myself again. So you wash a body part and then you rinse. I've never seen you do that. It's always like you you're you're under the water with the soap and the water is just no. running on top of the soap. No, it's not because yeah. my back is to the shower. Oh, okay. Oh my god, this is so just. It's not TMI. Everybody take a shower. TMI, like gee. My back is to the water. So I'm literally, I wash my front, mm-hmm. wash my whole front, my arms, my leg, then I turn around and I rinse. And then I wash my other side. Then I turn around and I rinse. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I, I have to, uh, my whole body has to be lathered. But I got this strange, okay. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, we didn't just put. I, I got this strange way of showering. Shou- showering. Showering. You know what I'm saying. Ring. The ring, matter of fact. So, I have this weird thing of I want to see how dirty I was. So after I lather and I I put my foot over the hole, the drain, and then when I'm rinsing off, I'm looking to see if the water's brown. You're all. such a nerd. That is so disgusting. It's not disgusting. I just want to see. I, I I monitor to see how dirty I was. It's just a weird little thing that I do every shower, every single shower. 
I put my Still foot to over this the, day. To, to this day. I've been doing it since I was a kid. It's just a habit. I put my foot over the drain and then I let the water, you know, I, I, when I'm rinsing off, I'm looking down to see if there's any rings. Because you know when you take a bath. Oh, yeah, you're going to see a ring. You're going to see a ring. So when I take a shower, it's the same thing. I, when I take a shower, I just want to see if there's a ring. But I think that's why I stopped taking ring, baths. Ring, in a sense. I think that's why I stopped taking baths necessarily. Because when we first got married, I was a bath person. Well, you got to think about the type of tub that we had in the last house. I mean, that's true. But still, we had a that jetted was, tub, yeah. and it was huge. But And it was fun to be in because back then when we first got married, 2004, they still had what analog TV is that what it's called where you had an antenna and you yeah. didn't have to have and that's cable. when they, they converted yeah they and went so, to that conversion and we had to get a box so I'm saying like initially we had a little 13 inch TV in the bathroom mm-hmm. living like the Jeffersons we felt at the time mm-hmm. <laughs> and so with our seven channels it, in there exactly so I would be able to watch some of my shows from the tub you mm-hmm. know just jet song watch my shows be in the bathroom whatever mm-hmm. and so you know after a while I'm like. Uh, I still feel kind of dirty because even when you turn the jets on in the tub, yeah, it would have this it cycles like, through there. Yeah, it would yeah. cycle through, so you would have to really thoroughly bleach out the yep. jets, ble- put bleach water in the tub, hot water, and run the jets for a while so mm-hmm. it can kind of like filter through. And I mean, you'll see the little accumulation of either it was soap. Yeah. Or it was dirt. And I'm like, I'm a, I feel like I got to go get back in the shower and wash off again. We so. learned we learned an interesting fact the other day when we went to go visit that that, that house. We go look at houses for fun. Yeah, just for fun. Well, um, kind of fun and kind of research. Yeah. But we learned that these newer model homes, tubs is kind of like a thing of the past. Yeah. They're not putting tubs in a lot of new... Like, they might have, like, this one had... It had a soaker tub and a ma- master bath. And that was it. There was no... in a in a, It was... What was it? Four and a half baths or three and a half baths? Three and a half. And, and the, it was only one tub and yeah, a master. Yeah, because the kids shower... The kids bathroom what well, we were considered or the guest the guest it, it was the shower it yeah didn't have a there tub. was there was no tub That's and true. and i think some of these newer houses i look at online i'm like i didn't think about it mm-hmm. but there i think tubs are a thing of the past i know for me we've been living in this house five years this month five years this month it is like i think next week and um in the five years that we've been here i've only taken a bath in this house Maybe five times. And that's more than me. Maybe five times. That's more than me. I know I know for a fact at least three times, but maybe five times. I'm just like, let me get in the shower. It's just handle business. Get in, get out. Get in, get and out. And I think, too, what kind of drew us more to taking baths at the other house, and we were there for, what, 12 years? Um, 11. 11 years. Mm-hmm. I think more was because of the Jets. You know what I mean? It was something that we can do together. Mm-hmm. And um, it was relaxing. I mean, you're sore or whatever. You turn them jets on, put some Epsom salt in there, and uh, light a candle, <laughs> you know. And it, and was, it was relaxing. it was a huge tub, too. It was huge. It was not just like a jetted tub, that average tub. Huge. It was like a, like a jacuzzi, like a whirlpool And now tub. the tubs that we have now is just like either your legs are in or the top half of your body is yeah. in. Yeah. So it's, it's like one it's or the weird. other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and I think, you know, we have kind of like a newer home and maybe they're, they, it's phasing out when this was built. Possibly. But we all have favorites in the house too. And so I have a favorite bathroom, which is the, the downstairs, the lower level bathroom. Because it's closest to the water heater. And it gets piping 
and then it's a small <laughs> bathroom. I don't know. And another thing is, I like to I like the room to get super steamy, which is why. Yeah, I mean, this one it, it seems really quick. Which is here. why one reason why, and it's a pet peeve of yours. I don't like the shower door when I'm taking a shower. I don't like the door open. And yeah, you, I can't stand. Well, it's different. Me, I like trapping the heat in the room because it's like when you come in the room and you open up the door, it's like all oh, the cold air just rush in. I'm like, well, see, I can't. I never can tell that. Oh, I can tell. I can feel it. Because our master has a glass door. So, I mean, I feel like the heat stays in from there. And the hot water is on me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I do like the door open in the master because it's a master. Because the, the the bedroom door is locked, mm-hmm. generally. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, what am I going to be trapped up in here in two spaces, like, double locked? Like, for what? Yeah. No, I like the door closed. But I like to trap the heat in. And then when I get out the shower, I don't want that cold air rushing me. I like to merge into a cold, like when I open up the door and then it's yeah, like. Yeah, that's like a whole the, process for you. Yeah, yeah. Not for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do what I got to do. I get on out. Yep. So earlier we was talking about um, career. We w- we were talking about around the subject of growing in our careers. Yeah. Well, you were talking about growing in your career. Yeah. And uh, I asked you a question. I was like, wait. We have conversations, y'all, that I be like, wait. I mean, Save have, it like, for the cop really podcast, and then it'd be and... some conversation. We'd be like, "Dad, we should have been recording." That <laughs> yeah, one. like we have really sp- like spontaneous good conversations. Like, like, but today I was like, "Yo, wait." Save it for the podcast because I like it to be fresh. I don't want to talk about it and then we get on the podcast and then we talk about it again. It's kind of like we trying to recap what we was talking about. I'm like, I want it to be fresh. Mm-hmm. So and I asked you the question earlier today, and then before you can answer, I was like, "Wait, we recording tonight? Save it for the podcast." I asked you a question of. What would you tell from from a career standpoint, maybe as a mentor or just somebody that's got experience? Mm-hmm. What would you tell your twenty five year old self about your career about about having a career? What would you tell your your mid twenty self? Um, you know when you when you asked me earlier, I kind of paused, and even now I still pause. I think. I think what I would say is to live in, live more in the moment. I think that's one of my biggest regrets. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm a planner, I just didn't I didn't live more in each moment. So it was like always trying, like worrying. I worried so much about what's going to happen. Is this going to work out? You mm-hmm. know. Um, oh, because you is are this, a worrier by Is nature. this going to take care of what I need to take care of financially? Is this the best move? Mm-hmm. And what I can say from the time, and I've said this multiple times on the podcast, but I didn't think I would go into education. Mm -hmm. I really planned to be an attorney. Mm -hmm. And I didn't plan on living here in Dayton. I planned on living East Coast or down South or something like that. Like I never growing up seen myself living still in the state of Ohio. Mm -hmm. And... I think when I look back, I cheated myself from some happiness and just some sort of appreciation, a degree of appreciation for each step because I was always kind of like worried about the next. Now, I have no regrets in the terms of my career choices, my decisions, like going back to school, 
or going to school for what I went to school for. I think those were all great decisions. Mm-hmm. I think they've worked out. Mm-hmm. Like I had a plan around it. It's like once I realized that I was not going to be an attorney and um, I needed to utilize the experience that I had and try to leverage that, mm-hmm. um, I decided to go back to school twice mm-hmm. following my bachelor's degree. And those are two good moves for me. Um, I'm getting ready to go back to school actually now with a program with Cornell that I think is a good move for me Mm -hmm. in terms of where I would like to go and where I'm kind of headed in that direction. Mm -hmm. So I don't regret the schooling part. I think I regret the worrying about the actual job piece because, and it's so funny that you asked me this because I was thinking about it Sunday And I said, every single job led to the next job. Mm -hmm. Like, literally. Like, it literally was, like, connected in some sort of way. Like, okay, when I was at Drew, I was in public health when I first came out of college. And I had interned in public health while I was in college. Mm -hmm. So, I had made relationships and when I when I came out of college, I went back into public health because that was something I was familiar with. I knew people mm-hmm. and I knew that I can work, you know, like I can get a job mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And one of the ladies that I work with, she had moved out of public health and went into education mm-hmm. and she pulled me in. We had her on here across so she mm-hmm. pulled me in. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm, I mean, in the story, I can go on for days on how each job did that. You know, it just, it, it just fed off the last job. You feel like, um, but in that moment I worry like, oh my God, is this the right decision? What about that? You know, I was going to say, do you feel like the, the call that you have for the call that was over you? Because you didn't have no idea of going into education. No, so like and, that, and, that, and to be this successful in it? Yeah, like that, like was, no. that was nothing. Because I remember even when we got married, we got married, I was 23, you was 24. Yeah. Cougar. And right. you um, never spoke of education. You, never. You was in the, you was in the health health field. Yes. Um. So do you feel like you were led here? Oh, for sure. I think you have... Um, purpose mm-hmm. you know it's the things that you want to do then it's things that you're purpose to do mm-hmm. and so while i think i would, would have made a great attorney and the reason why i say i know i would have made a great attorney is because whatever i commit my mind to i'm great at mm-hmm. like i know that about myself um i'm all in but i also know that education stretched me in a way that maybe law wouldn't have mm-hmm. and it made me softer as a person. Huh? What I say, because see, I wanted to be an, a, crim, a criminal attorney. Yeah, softer, that part. I'm getting there. I wanted to be a criminal attorney. Mm-hmm. You know, um, tough, rough, ready for it, let's rumble, right? Yeah, because you will argue somebody down. Let's stick to the facts here. That wanted is, to be a criminal attorney. That is a fact. And what, what happened was, education brought uh, brought out a softer side to me and i remember um being in my first being in my second year of teaching and one of my girlfriends she was like maya like 
they're only five. Like they cannot. I was like, getting on the kids. Yeah, I was like, they need to be able to do. And I had all this stuff out. Like, no, they should be able to do this. This is. And she was like, they're only five. You know, like you're going to have to like get to their level, versus them always being at your level. And I didn't have kids then either. And it's so true when you don't have kids. Your you own kids. You can't see that perspective. You do. You see it from a different perspective. Like, nope, they should be able to do this, this, and this. And she, when she did that, when she had that conversation with me and pulled my coat, I was like, oh, okay. That makes sense. So I, so I had to kind of like soften myself, my approach, because mm-hmm. I was dealing now with children and someone else's children that mm-hmm. I really took that opportunity very serious. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you, you can't be a teacher without compassion. Right. You know, not that you wouldn't have compassion as an attorney because you do. There's cases that just pull on your heart that you're like, oh, my God, I'm just committed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think I'm I'm who I am. I, I'm two different people than what I would have been as an attorney versus who I am as an educator. Yeah. So what would you tell yourself? What would you tell the Stressless. 25? I would mm-hmm. say stressless. Like, um. God has a plan for your life and you can't see it, mm-hmm. but trust it. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy too, because over the last week I've had two people reach out to me about, um, career changes mm-hmm. and just being uncertain in that time of change. Because mm-hmm. when you've done something for a while, um, you can do it without thinking mm-hmm. it's mindless. It's just like, I know how to do it. I don't have to get up, think hard about it. I can just do it, do it in my sleep. Mm-hmm. And so when that kind of gets pulled from underneath you and now you're required, you're in a situation where you now have to make a change. Mm-hmm. You feel naked. You feel exposed. You feel like, oh, my God, you feel very vulnerable. Like, am I going to be great at this? Like, I'm great at this. I know I'm great at this. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know if I'm going to be great at that. Mm-hmm. And so just having the opportunity to... Um, refer back to my experiences mm-hmm. over the last five years of feeling that same sense of vulnerability and being able to say, listen, what feels like a punishment is really going to be your purpose mm-hmm. because you do, you feel like when you're no longer able to do something that you really love and want to do for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you feel somehow like you're being punished. You know, especially when you do it with great intentions and integrity. You know what I'm saying? If you did it murmuring and complaining like, oh, I hate this job. And then they say, okay, bye. And you feel like, well, you know what? I did complain. I really didn't like that job anyway. So why am I upset? Yeah, true. Or there's some people that's just been being pushed into a different area too. And I think that's it. Like you just get pushed into your purpose, Mm -hmm. you know, but at the time it feels like a punishment. It feels like you did something wrong. Because you was in your comfort zone. You're there. You're like, and you're really trying to like make that thing perfect like Mm -hmm. i'm building relationships i'm doing this i'm enjoying it i'm being creative and then boom it's a change of pace yeah um quickly and then what was it two weekends ago i get a text message from my mentor um my professional mentor my former principal Mm -hmm. she sends me a text have not heard from her probably in the last three years you lit up like a little kid and i was i was giddy like a little kid like oh my god i'm down there putting together a table ticked off 
because it wasn't coming together. It wasn't coming together. And so I was like, oh, my God. I was like, oh, my God. I did. I felt like I was like six years old. And um, she she just said in the text, hey, I'm just checking on you, you know, during this time or whatever, you and the family. And she was like, just want to let you know I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. That meant the world to me. Because, again, where she left me, I'm no longer there. Mm-hmm. So, but I know it's the things that she instilled in me and her belief in me. Because she took you up under her wing. She didn't. And, it's, and I've only had that happen to me with two bosses, mm-hmm. her and um, another. Mm-hmm. And so it don't happen too often. You yeah. know, you have people that, you know, you have a cordial relationship with and it's no beef necessarily. Or you have bosses that you do kind of like, y'all don't click. But I've had two good leaders in my life that really have sown and invested in me mm-hmm. and have made me better. So, and she was one of them, but I would say, you know, to my 25 year old self, um, girl, stop stressing. It's going to work out. Mm-hmm. If it was me, I would tell my 25 year old self, and this is me, Terrence Dorsey, DJ Dorsey, but back then, I was just simply Terrence Dorsey. Um, mentor. Get a mentor. Because looking back, I actually had... Um, I had a, actually my super... My manager at the time, name was John. He wanted to put me up under his wing. And I kind of... I knew he was a very smart guy. And for those who don't know, I've been in mortgage banking since 2001. So 19 years. 19 years. All I've been doing. Well, various departments. Very, various things in several different companies. But I know and, several different companies. Yeah, I left. Not several. I was. How many and, is several? I've been at three different companies. Oh, that's a couple. Okay, several. When you couple. say several, it sounds like you were just like a serial. No, no. I mean, in, in the time span, in the time I span. I quit. On to the Well, next. actually, I had the company I started with, I had left for two and a half years. In those two and a half years, I was with three different companies. Yeah. And then I came back. So, four. Four altogether. Um, but that probably could have been avoided. Probably. A part of me, I, I really don't, Um, what's the word when you hate that you did something? Regret. Regret. Dang, I couldn't think of it. I really don't regret the decision that I made, even though it was a bad decision, which was, it was, it was 2005, and at that time, I'm what? Um, 24. Yeah, I'm 24. Married a year. Yep, 24, and I'm married a year. No, it wasn't even a year yet. We got married in, in, in August. Yeah. And then I left the company in February of 2005. Mm. Right at the beginning of the year, I left. Yeah, because you was pushing me, pushing me, pushing me, pushing me. Yeah. Um, like, babe, I really want to make a switch. Yeah. Well, well it, would, it was, I wanted to go into sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was during, this was after 9-11. And um, I wanted to go into sales, and it was a hundred percent commission. Like if I didn't sell, I didn't make any money. Mm-hmm. 
And that's when you was like, this dude is seriously a risk taker. I've always been a risk taker, but that was probably one of the biggest risks that I took. I wasn't afraid to take no risk. But if I would have had a mentor, he probably would have advised me a different way. So I think I would tell my 25-year-old self, have a mentor. Because a mentor is going to be able to help. And I should know this. Being the youngest sibling of all my siblings, being the youngest child of all my siblings, I always looked up at everybody else and seen the mistakes that they made. And just in general, just seeing other people making mistakes, I always looked up at them and said, oh, that worked for them. Let me try it. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, that didn't work. Let me try it. I ain't going to try that. Mm-hmm. So I should have had a mentor to help guide me in the way that I need to go. And I actually turned down that mentorship because he was like, yo, I was, you know, I was passionate. And when mm-hmm. I, the first job that I had in, in mortgage banking, um, I dealt with construction loans, construction and rehab stuff. So if anybody out there that's in um, real estate, I dealt with two or three K loans, which was rehab loans. I dealt with a lot of builders, realtors, um, title companies and stuff like that. And I also did construction loans where it was like being built from the ground up. So, you know, I was kind of like this middle guy between the bank and the builder or the appraiser or Mm -hmm. the kind, you know, I was that guy. So I was passionate about that. I loved it. And John was just like, hey, I got something for you. I see how much you love it. He was trying to put me up under his wing and be like his right-hand man. I think John was left-handed, so maybe his left-handed man. Oh my God. And I turned it down because I wanted to go into sales. And he probably would have said, and and when I went into sales, I fell on my face very hard. I think you broke your nose. Man, and shattered. (laughs) I got veneers in because I didn't shatter some teeth too. Busted lip. Had to get stitches in my eye. I wear contacts now. Like, I mean, I fell hard. But at the same time, what it taught me, what it taught me was one commitment that I made, and I I feel like I'm living it today. I will never leave my full-time job unless my secondary job, I'm going to stay, I'm going to keep my full-time job, and I'm going to get me like a secondary, build my hustle from the secondary. And... I said, I won't leave my job until my secondary surpasses it. But now in my older years, I'm like, huh? Benefits? In light of COVID-19. <clears throat> Listen, because I ain't DJing one lick, but I still got... Your day job. My day job. Something I've been, you know, participating in since 2001. And this is one industry that, well, I ain't going to say ain't going nowhere because... We don't know what can happen that can say. Anybody's disposable at this point. Yeah, like we didn't, COVID, nobody's seen COVID coming. But, um, yeah, I I would tell my 25-year-old self to have a mentor. And the reason why I asked you that question earlier today, and I got so much more. I got so much more about my career history. And if anybody ever want to hear it, I definitely dig more into it. Because I feel like both of us have something to share. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we made mistakes along the way. And I kind of... And I'll say this, I kind of, you went into education and you grew with that. And me, I'll never forget a word of advice that I did get when I was a broker, a a mortgage broker. Um, An account executive came to my office and was like, I said, how long, I said, how, how did you, she was, she was in the game for like 
28 years. And at that time, keep in mind, 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. So a lot of stuff was what you would call imploding. The mm-hmm. banks, banks was coming and going. Um, a lot of stuff happened. Sure did. A lot I of think stuff they happened. Sold our mortgage like twice. Yeah, we were just like, okay, who, who was this? And um, so she was like, she said something I never forget. She said, follow the market. Because I asked her, how long, how how did you stay in this game this long? Like you've been doing this for twenty eight years. This is one of those businesses where it's cyclical. Like. One day, it's the, the market is over here in sales. Next day, it's in foreclosures, mm-hmm. like short sales. So she was like, follow the market. So I was what you would call the front end of the business. I was sales, processing, closing, underwriting, all of that. The market 2008 happened. Market crashed. I had a, I had, I had an interview to get back to the company I'm in now. And once again, I don't mention the company because social media stuff, but I remember being asked, did I want to be on the front end or on the back end? And the back end happened to be foreclosure. And I was like, and it was like, I heard those words, follow the market and me being me. I knew sales wasn't happening like that. And when I heard foreclosure, I'm like, that's where the market is at. Mm -hmm. And I went to foreclosure. They asked me, which interview do you want to take? And I took the back end foreclosure. And it was like the right decision. Mm -hmm. It was like the red or blue pill. And I took the blue one, foreclosure. Mm -hmm. So I've made decisions to, and we'll have a career talk one day, but I look at my job as something I really like. Some people just work, they do that. I actually like my job. I've been doing it for a long time, but it's also a base pay for me. Mm-hmm. It's a base pay. It's, it's to take care of the base. And then my DJing, my, my, my business, my, my company is the extra. Mm-hmm. And it's a company that I've built up from scratch, actually on accident. Yeah. It was something on accident. DJing was not in my, um, in my foresight. So it was something I just built up from, from, from scratch and years later it turned out to be successful. So I just going back to the original question, I think, Oh, another thing I would say to my 25 year old self, probably my 18 year old self save. Mm. Uh, Don't, don't. And what I mean by save, of course, save money, but retirement, I think a lot of times as a young person, we would think, I know I would think, I got time. Mm-hmm. I got time. And I remember being. You're not investing in like uh, IRAs. A, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. A 401k or IRA. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking back then, I didn't start investing into my 401k until I was like 26, 27. Because mm-hmm. I was like, shoot, I'm going to miss this. I don't know. Back then, probably like $50 or something. And then the company was matching it up to 4%, max 4%. So I didn't I didn't look at it as free money. I'm like, shoot, I need that gas money. Right. You know, I need that $50, so I'm it's keeping true. that $50. Because I had an RA around 21. Mm-hmm. I was advised. Who, who advised me? I think it was like the insurance guy. Like my car insurance mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. He, um, I think I had State Farm at the time. 
and he was saying, you should get a Roth IRA and, you know, put $50 in a month or whatever. And back then, that sounded like and a lot of money. And when you're working and you're like kind of, you know, like I wasn't working like a career job. I was just like working a job. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't have $50. So I did it maybe for maybe a year. Mm-hmm. And then at some point took the money out. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm like, shoot, 20 years later. Look. I'll be doing really good. I get good I get right so now. so yeah, it's true. You, I I think I think sometimes back like if I would have started five years earlier, my I know my retirement would probably look a whole oh, lot yeah. better. Yeah, because of that compound interest. I remember sitting down in a um, it was at Edward Jones. I was at Edward Jones sitting in somebody's office, and I was twenty years old. And he told me like, man, look, he told me twenty dollars. He said, man, you're twenty, just take twenty dollars. And he said, by the time you're 38, you'll have this much. He was like, that's just off of $20. He was like, as you make more money, then you put more money in, obviously. But he was like, dude, just take that money and invest it into IRA. And he was like, he started showing me the numbers. By the time you're this much, oh, you'll have this much. By the time you're this, and now I look back like, if I would have started at 20, six years earlier. So it's just little stuff like that. So, you know, we was going around doing the, um, the, uh, the drive-by graduation thingies that I was doing last mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. And I had a chance to talk to a um, high schooler that was coming out. And the 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 conversation did come up of saving. And I just kind of looked like, hmm. I was kind of impressed the fact that the, that the question even came up. And it was just like, I was like, hey, man, if you could just put away $20. I just took the same advice. Put away twenty dollars mm-hmm. every every paycheck. I know it might sound like a lot to you, maybe I don't know, but put away twenty dollars every paycheck and let it come out automatically. That way, you don't even miss it. You don't even miss it. Just what did they say? He was he just listened. He was like, oh, okay. He was just like okay. Like he didn't be like nah. He was just listening like okay. And then of course stocks and bonds came up talking about stocks and bonds and yada yada yada. So it was kind of like it was like a group of us that happened to have it. It was like a five minute conversation. So, I mean, these are the things that I would tell myself back then. Because now, I tell you what 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 makes me a little fearful about a lot of our peers and our age group. A lot of people didn't start thinking about retirement until it was I ain't going to say too late. Or or let's take the baby boomer generation. We know baby boomers who you'd be like, well, we know baby boomers that they are at that age and they can't retire because they didn't they didn't start saving up fast enough. Mm-hmm. We know people like that, mm-hmm. and and I think about other people that I know that are my peers in my age group, 35, 40, 45. and they're like, I need to get serious about this thing. And it's like, in my mind, I'm like, you ain't started yet, because. But you know, I think it's easier and i could be wrong so please i'm sure people will feel free to correct me Mm -hmm. but i think it's easier to have a retirement like when you're in like a steady career field or with a company because say for example if i work in retail Mm -hmm. i don't know what the retail options are because when i worked in retail i've never worked in retail full time so you're talking about like working at an old navy or something yeah like like Mm -hmm. if you just work like a job or if you're a waitress or Mm -hmm. not that those are not respectable things i just don't know if that package of 
the future package and the retirement is included in that job opportunity opposed to me being a government employee, mm-hmm. you know, my whole career I worked for the state or I worked for, you know, the government in some sort of fa- fashion. So the, those came with retirement systems. I think in some industries, like, for instance, retail. Um, What are you looking at? You, clicking what? that pen. I don't think nobody can hear that. Can y'all hear that? Now you can hear it because I'm quiet. Um, It's a habit. When I get a pen in my hand. But I think when you deal with certain companies like retail, I think they're like the lower tier positions. And I'm assuming, and like Maya said, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the lower tier positions, you might not get those. But once you get to the higher tier, you can. However, you can go to an Edward Jones or. Yeah, you can make the investment yourself. You can make the investment yourself and set it up to where possibly, you know, you can have an automatic, you can. Maybe have something through your bank where you're like, okay, yeah, twenty dollars yeah, yeah. of my check goes here. Yeah. You direct your money to go certain places. Um, I, I mean, I know you can for a fact do stuff like that. Yeah. And then if you happen to get a job that offers it, maybe you can do some sort of rollover type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. And I, I, I think we see. I'm gonna be honest. When I ten ten years ago, what is that? 10 years ago I was 29 mm-hmm. so 10 years ago when I realized or saw Edward Jones or Merrill Lynch or whatever mm-hmm. I thought about like rich people mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah. I, I wasn't associating my income to be suitable to go in those places mm-hmm. and have a conversation about anything mm-hmm. see I think you know I, I think one of our biggest issues is especially a young male and black male and this could be anybody, but we look at celebrityism or rich people, like you said, people that already got money. Yeah, and wealthy they, people they, 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 where they, you feel like they can afford to go in there and make investments and have them build a portfolio and all of that. But what I'm about to do with my money, you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I think because you may only have for real. Truth be told, when you're young and you're in that grinding of trying to get on your feet and get yourself together you may only have in terms of disposable income a couple hundred dollars if that you know if that so it's like what i'm about to go up in here and then you think that you have to pay the um what do you call them like the broker or whatever the person is Mm -hmm. that does all the different stuff with your money like i can afford to pay them yeah so you just rule it out and so that's why education is so important to have conversations with um people that work in that field to say because when i went man my dad told me to go to this one guy i mean this is recent like in mm, the last three four months months, and so he told me to go because i had went to someone else mm-hmm. here local mm-hmm. and because somebody told me like my, you need to go talk to such and such mm-hmm. and, um, continue to expand and build your, um, portfolio. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. So I went and there was fees. He had fees, you know, that was associated with it or whatever. And I mean, it wasn't like just ungodly, like, Oh my God, there's no way in the world I can afford that. But my dad referred me to his guy mm-hmm. And um, I went to him and I said, well, how much do you charge for this? Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't charge. He was like, I basically make my money off of the money that you that you make. Mm-hmm. So basically much. it's like a partnership. In a yeah. Sense. So he's like, I don't I don't you don't pay me anything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, 
well, okay. You mm-hmm. know, and then I said, well, what's the minimum amount that I can invest? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the starting point? I don't know if it was like 5000 or 500 He was like, you can do $50 a month. We can take it out, have it taken out automatically out of your checking account or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when you start talking mm-hmm. like that, you feel like that's doable. I can do that. That's not. But see, I think I think this is where the illusion comes is because we look at people that's got money and we assume, oh, they got money to do it. Right. But what we're not thinking about probably is these people might have started investing a while ago to where they invested their money to where they're getting a return. And they're just simply taking that return and investing and reinvesting it. Like they're making, like, I, I think when we hear the word investment, we just think big numbers. But everything starts small. You do. You think, oh, I have to have, because I did. I was like, well, I need to have about 10 grand Mm-mm. to play with Mm-mm. to be able to take it to an investor, investment banker, and say, here's 10 grand, do something with it. Mm-hmm. Because that, in my mind, I felt like that's what I needed to bring to the table in order to have a conversation or have the conversation. So, um, again, it's just really having conversations like these early and then connecting to people who are not shysty and scammers, but really like in a legit business mm-hmm. and they're going to invest your money like they should. That's what it takes. And starting somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to say something that might sound disclaimer. It might sound a little judgmental, but follow me. This is the reason why I think, and this is going back to mentorship or even just parent parenthood. Where mentorship is very important because when we're, especially when we're in our teens, our brain ain't developed yet to really know how to think about certain things because we don't have the experience yet. We don't, as, as most teenagers, probably majority of teenagers don't have the experience of, let alone paying rent or paying a mortgage, mm-hmm. car note, cell phone bill, light bill, electric bill, all this stuff. They don't have that experience yet. They get it by, over time they get it, which is, and then even just making investments. And I know like even in our community, black community, money is, excuse me, money is something that we just really didn't talk about that much. Like we just didn't talk about it that much. So I think this is where even mentorship comes into play and just having those open dialogues. And here's where the judgmental part comes. I think about as a teenager, sometimes we do dumb stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And even as adults, we do dumb stuff that's going to cost our future, which would be like, yo, make sure the decisions that you make today is a wise one for your tomorrow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you if you make a decision to, it, okay, I'm going to just say it, and, and I don't want to offend anybody, but because some people, some people end up doing well. But a, 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 a guy and a girl comes together as a 17-year-old and they have a baby. Mm-hmm. I ain't going to say that messes up your future, but I think it kind of stalls it a little bit. It changes things for sure. It, it changes things. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and this might not be the, this might not be for everybody. You know what I mean? Like some people are like, this is the part that confuses me because when I see a mother, a single mother, it's something about a single mother that she rises up and sometimes she can overachieve. Mm-hmm. Like, 
she I'll be looking at some single mothers like, how in the world is she doing all that? Mm-hmm. And maybe she's got support from family, but I didn't see some single mothers out here killing it. But I think that's just a mother. A mother. It's the I think it might be the nurturing. It's, it's the nature of a it's the nature of a woman and a mother. It's like I don't care. I can, I remember being sick and being at home with the kids, and I mean literally like sick, sick. Mm-hmm. But something about it, you just pull from somewhere, and you got to do what you got to do. Now, when they went to sleep, I about passed out. Mm-hmm. But you do what you got to do, and even when it comes to taking care of them financially, social, emotionally, or whatever, listen, you're going to pull deep down inside from somewhere, mm-hmm. and you're going to make that thing work. But I do admire um, single mothers who have to catch the bus, get up at the crack of dawn, and make sure their kids get ready. I've seen it as a teacher, you know, where it's like, and then as a teacher, I always subliminally had that mother's back mm-hmm. with the child. Like, you know, like she and I never had a conversation, but it would be like, your mother is working hard, but you know what? To take care of l- you. L- you know what? And that just made me think about something. I know that to be true about you. Oh, yes. And I think your career success came from the seeds that you planted that nobody seen that you was doing or it wasn't really popular. You used to tutor kids after school for free. For free. And you mm-hmm. you used to do that faithfully. And take them home. Yep, take them and, home. And if the parents couldn't come, you would take them home. Yep. You know how much a tutor cost? Mm-hmm. But you were sowing those seeds back then, mm-hmm. which I think is something that you plant. Okay, here's another thing I would tell a young person or my 25-year-old self. Plant seeds, which is like investing. Plant seeds. Because you have no clue where it's going to sprout up or what is going to sprout up, where it's going to sprout up. You might not be able to see it now. And you can't really attach. And this might sound contradicting to most popular belief. You can't really attach a dollar to everything. Mm -hmm. Some stuff is invaluable, priceless. Free sometimes is worth a whole lot. Oh, it's an investment. Free. Sometimes you're investing in your future later. You don't realize. You don't like, realize it. I've done. I've done things for people. Like, How much I owe you? Nothing. And then come down the road. Mm-hmm. They're like, I got you. Yeah. You know, and you really yeah, but needed you sold it. The seed. <laughs> and you needed it at the time. They said they got like, mm-hmm. oh, cool, thank you. you because know. I think, I think sometimes if you walk in the door and you always got your hand out and want somebody to pay you, they're gonna look at it as a transaction. Mm-hmm. Strictly business. And sometimes, and I think you have to make judgment calls on when to do you that. You do. That's the key where you I do I think have you to have make to make judgment calls. judgment calls and to say, and that's like I said last week, it's certain times where even when I'm DJing, somebody want a certain package, they might want one of my lower end packages. But I'm, and being flat out, I'm looking at this person like, I know how connected they are. Mm-hmm. Or not even just their connectivity, just looking at it for myself, I know this person deserves more but they can't afford it out of my heart. I'm a plan a seed because I, I want to help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know you want this top tier, but you can only afford this. I'm going to give you top tier. And then next thing you know, they didn't went and told 50 people about me. Out of 50 people, I didn't got 10 people. Yeah. 
I made them feel good. And it's happened. You've had people refer one, like, multiple people. Then the next group, that next wedding refers another. And you're like, I done got five weddings off of this one gig. And that's happened to me before. It has that, happened. I remember I had, like, five, I had, like, four or five different yeah. weddings. And it was a. Off of one. It was from this lady. And I remember her name, Karen. Mm-hmm. I just kept on hearing, Karen referred me to you. And they would get the top tier stuff. And I'm like, and Karen didn't even get the top tier one. Mm-hmm. But I gave her top tier treatment. Mm-hmm. And Karen turned around, and her name was literally Karen. Mm-hmm. I won't say her last name, but Karen really referred me. So I think you tutoring, just for an example, mm-hmm. you used to tutor after school. Because I, I wanted them to get it. I wanted them to get it. And 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 yeah. and, and now I think those are parts of seeds because the job that you have now. Mm-hmm. I think them seeds of you tutoring, then you created Girls Project because yeah. you've seen a need. Mm-hmm. You had on you you taught in the classroom, but you taught after school tutoring. Mm-hmm. You've seen a need for girls. And you was like, I'm going to create Girls Project. And I remember the job that you have now. I mm-hmm. said, girl, I told you before, before you, you went did. to the interview, I said, your selling point is going to be Girls Project. Yep, and you did. And that comes from the seeds that you sown back then do you remember when um i'm not gonna say his name but do you remember i had a student that i was tutoring Mm -hmm. little bitty old thing little shy little kid and um we had to take him up in the city like he kind of lived in the hood a little bit and that's when we were down to one car i do remember that and we had to drop him off Mm -hmm. and um i said babe yeah i asked him i said what are you gonna do for christmas and he said I don't know. I don't get Christmas presents. My mom can't get me anything. Mm-hmm. And we went and dropped off gifts to his house. You remember that? That I don't remember. Christmas gifts to his house. And um, Did he have siblings? Yep. He had siblings. And we went shopping and we got him some stuff and dropped some stuff off at his house. And I remember a couple years later from that, I got a call just out of nowhere. Because I didn't have the same number forever. Mrs. Dorsey. And he said, this is so-and-so. I guess called to say hi. And I mean, I was like, what? You know, he remembers me. But, you know, and didn't do it, didn't tell us so. Didn't nobody know but me and you. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew. It wasn't something. So, like, what you do in secret, and the Bible talks about this, God will reward you openly. Mm-hmm. But I think what I would say to people, too, that I would still say to myself, be consistent and treat people right. Treat them right, y'all. Because you have, have no clue. I have most of my return in life through my career has been off that principle right there. Because you know people that know me that I don't even know them. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, oh, your wife, this, this, and that. And mm-hmm. I said, well, thank God I was, you know, treating yeah. them nice because I have no idea who you're even talking about. Mm-hmm. But they'll be like, oh, yeah, I saw your wife. Your wife is this, your wife. Is. And so. That just speaks to character, mm-hmm. you know, that a great name is better to be spoken of than great riches. Like you need to have a good name. Keep your name good because, of course, people are going to say, you know, you got naysayers. It's just going to find something to say. Mm-hmm. But for the overall majority, it comes if, with the territory. if your name can be good and, and you're consistent out here in your work, mm-hmm. People respect that. My dad called me and said, oh, I had dinner with someone. Now, my dad lives in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I had dinner, and I'm sitting there talking about you, and the guy says, oh, I know Maya Dorsey. You know, and he's having dinner with my father. Mm. Now, I work with him up here in Dayton mm-hmm. on some other business. And so, again, 
that conversation could have looked completely different. I'm not under my father's shadow. You know what I mean? I'm not, oh, I'm I'm Greg's daughter. You know, I'm I'm not under that. I'm Maya Dorsey. I've built my own name you, you for myself. Name. You branded your name. And that name is respected. You know, I think about that's um, an honor. That's a very much honor. My first mentee name was Daniel. And and we used to go to the library and I would just help him with his homework. I would drop him off. He got two sisters, one a twin. And um, I spent a lot of time with him, a lot of time, a lot, because his mom was sing- is a single mom, and I used to spend a lot of time with him. And then, you know, you grow up, I get married, yada, 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 yada. Years later, I'm downtown working out. Next thing you know, Daniel walks up. Man, when I tell you he gives me the biggest hug and was just like, I remember all the stuff that you did for me. Mm-hmm. And he grew up to be... Now here I go sound like an old guy. He grew up to be a fine young man. <laughs> no, he now grew, you sound old. Yeah, but he grew up to be a fine young man. Like the streets didn't grab him. He he he's working. He's got a good job. You know, like he looks good. Like when you look at him, you like you look good, man. Mm-hmm. You don't look like life is overtaking you. Like yep. you look good, man. And it just made me so proud to see him. I didn't need anything from him but that hug. Mm-hmm. I mean, he came up to me and gave me a big bear hug. Like, man. Yep. It was just like to tell me. And he was a kid. Like, this was, he was a kid. I kind of remember, like, I think you were tutoring him or mentoring him when we first started dating. I think I was. Yeah. I think I was. And and just to see him, like, it was like, he about to drop a manly tear. No, but it was just like, yo, bro, it's good to see you so there's a thing i think we talked about this before aces adverse childhood experience Mm -hmm. study and um there's this thing this term out in education especially like in the social emotional world called resilience Mm -hmm. and so the resiliency factor is that a child could rebound if you will and that's not their word that's my word a child can rebound from just about any trauma if they have one positive example in their life they can just about recover and rebound Mm -hmm. so a mentor a teacher a neighbor that they can lean on that's taking them in someone from the church you know, that's not manipulating them, you know what I'm saying, in a in a negative way, like trying to still have this form of abuse, subtle mm-hmm. abuse, but really, truly take a child in, that their resiliency factor matters, mm-hmm. and it can truly change a child's trajectory of life. And that's the, that's the power of mentoring, and I've been a student of that myself. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've mentored others, but I also put myself in the position of being a mentee, mm-hmm. even at this age. I put myself in the position to be a mentee. I have several mentors, mm-hmm. male and female, oh, yes, you do. all ages, because what I recognize in myself very early, and I think I can contribute it to some of my success, is that I know my voids. I know my, I know the things that I lack. Mm-hmm. Rather, I say them out loud or not, I know them. Mm-hmm. So when you see someone that carries that characteristic that you know you lack, 
you have to be create courageous enough mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know what? I see something in you that I need to really build up in myself. Do you mind talking to me? And what happens for me from that is that relationships are formed. Mm-hmm. And so what I notice now that I'm older and I'm like 15 years into my career, people come to me that are older than me. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, can you mentor me? And mm-hmm. I'm and I'm taken back by that because I'm like, what? Yeah, like yeah. me be a mentor because I've never... You know, you know myself, I'm younger than you, right? Yeah, I, I never, I don't, don't view myself, I don't view myself to be in the position to be an adult mentor. Mm-hmm. I look at myself still as the mentee. You know, and I think, I think that's one of the craziest things, and I know we got to shut this down, but I think that's one of the craziest things is when people do look up to you. Like for me, I have people that look up to me. Right. And, a, and the crazy thing is a lot of them be women, like young girls or whatever. You know, like Brooke. Clean it up, clean yeah, it yeah, up, yeah, yeah. clean it up. You know, like Brooke, um, somebody I love dearly. And she sent me a text the other day that just almost broke me down. Like, wow, you look at me like that? But, I mean, Brooke is a type, and you know, Brooke can come over here when I'm not even here. Mm-hmm. And she could be here waiting on me to get here. Like, mm-hmm. and, and but but Brooke is somebody that I love dearly. Um, and, I, and I have several people that I just be like, Yo, I love them dearly, and I know mm-hmm. they look up to me. But I think the craziest thing is people look up to you for certain things that you don't know that they're looking up to you for, and you're like, I'm still trying to figure this thing out. Right. So, um, yeah. Well, we got to wrap it up, though. I feel like we can go on about this a little bit. Yes, but before we wrap it up, I want to just recognize you and the kids for my Mother's Day. We got Jade standing at the top of the steps. She's trying to bring me something. Come on, Jade. But, um... Just thank you. I had my video. It, you know, you all created a video for me, and I put it on Facebook, and people were really um, happy about it. They thought they got kicks out of it just like I did. And y'all made dinner, and y'all made breakfast. And so I just want to say thank you. That'd be $8. Thank you very much. And, um, you know. You're very welcome. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, well, that's it, everybody. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little, this, this was heartfelt. I feel like we've been having, this, this is the good thing about being married to somebody that you can have heartfelt conversations with. Oh, you know, some people, some people get married for, and and I'm not knocking them, you know, they want to get married because somebody look a certain way. But I told somebody, we was, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and I was like, me and my wife have conversations. Like they was like, man, so she massaged your mind. I'm like, yeah, we have conversations. Like. It's deeper than the surface. Mm-hmm. It's like we can have pillow talk. We can have educational talk. We can have fun talk. We can have vacation talk. We can have money. We can have all these different talks. Like, I don't have political a shout. Talk. Yeah, I don't. Political talk. Yep. That we only talk about in our bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't talking about with nobody else because because uh, it causes fights and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I'm DJ Doris E. And I'm Maya Dorsey. And this is another edition of the Dorsey Den Podcast. Until next time.